to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to episode 93 of the Big Red Couch. Today's topic, do not miss a visit to the muse. On the mics today, we have, in a merry old England, Craig, and in regular old New Zealand, Ben. I understand summer has struck with a vengeance. It has. It's It's been warm and and sunny, and I was not led to believe that this actually happened in England. <laughs> uh, all those years of marketing that it was, you know, just rainy and terrible and Mr. Hitler, you didn't want to invade at all. Indeed. And the, the rainy season started in the uh, 14th century and has continued up to the present day pretty much unabated. Clever wartime propaganda that just got away from them. It'll happen. Yes, the weather has been lovely. News events not quite so lovely. Yeah, that is the news for you. Yes, in the time span between the last episode and when we recorded this one, there has been a terror attack on a bridge and a tower block went up in flames. Oh, you forgot the election. And there was an election. That's that's kind of faded into the background, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, there was an election. I got to vote in this election. Given that I am living in a constituency where at the last election, if all of the left-wing parties formed one block, they still wouldn't have beat the incumbent. And if all of the left-wing parties had formed a block and managed to convince UKIP to join them, they still wouldn't have beat the incumbent. Well, yeah, UKIP kind of got their pants pulled down on the previous one, which is, you know, precisely what they seem to be seem to have been engineering. So, yay. I, I hear people are talking about proportional representation of some form for England, but... Noises are being made since you can look at various parties and sort of look at, well, this is the proportion of the vote they got, and this is the proportion of seats they got. And... Interestingly enough, people on sort of both sides of the of the political axis can actually point to examples of that doesn't actually seem right. It's been an interesting one. Hailing from a land of proportional representation, it did not end democracy uh, for all time in New Zealand. We chose the slightly more boneheaded MMP version, but, you know... It's worked out I, okay. Yeah, I, I suspect it's meant that Winston Peters has had it slightly longer in the political spotlight than he might have otherwise, but probably hasn't had that much effect over what he would have otherwise. Yeah, we do tend to end up with him in the kingmaker position more times than I personally would like. Not so much, and they, you can still have alliances in first past the post if the if the vote is close enough so if the vote is close enough that's that still happens well that's pretty much what's happening at the moment yeah except the um the options seem even worse than winston peters which kudos well done the um glorious mother country (laughs) it's been interesting probably the the dup has never had so many people looking up their manifesto as they did since the most recent election here yep sorry we really really aren't a political podcast so we should, it's just the world we live in <laughs> yeah, the bit of the world that i am currently living in yes it's been newsworthy lately i gotta say indeed and i mean i have an actual political disclaimer to make about my idea for this episode so that'll be entertaining as well because oh, awesome, i'm awesome. not certain hope- i've ever done that uh, is it going to be in the style of the, the was it the, the BBC shouty man? I keep seeing people sharing these things. And the, his one from the election was like, can I go home? I'm, I've been up all night. Jonathan <laughs> Pye. 
Jonathan Pines, this way. I was like Chris Pines, and that's, that's, that's entirely wrong. The guy who plays Kirk in the... That would also be funny, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Pine just... Fuck it, I'm calling an Uber. <laughs> I actually fell asleep there. I do enjoy a bit of righteous indignation, and his is very high quality. He has a nice line in off-camera indignation and ranting. So, did you have an idea for this one? I do, but it sounds like yours follows on from our... I don't think we have banter topics, I just think we have random, off-the-top-of-our-head ramblings, but we should probably go with that. Yeah. Alright, well, in that case, I will... I'll go with the idea, then I'll go into the why I need to make a political disclaimer, and then I'll finish the idea. So, I got completely fixated by do not miss a visit to the muse. Uh, aside from the Okay, so clearly it's a bunch of cats. It was, in fact, the muse in the sense of the very narrow street. Um, historically, it was sort of either the street that ran behind houses, which was the road that the the stables and uh, coach houses would open out onto, and was sometimes used to refer to that row of houses. Sometimes it was the street. It kind of has morphed over the centuries to being a term for basically a very narrow street of some sort. Wasn't it originally called that because they'd keep the um, falconry equipment, like hawks and falcons, um, above them? Oh yeah, way back. If you go back even further, it was something rather muse and it had to do with with falconry. And then it got associated with stables and then the street that the stables were on. It just It's one of those words that morphed a bit. And now it's like for little little shishi kind of cul-de-sacs with the, the garages facing onto them. Pretty much, yeah. We ruin everything. Yay. I, I haven't <laughs> checked whether the development I'm currently in has anything called something or other muse, but I wouldn't put it past them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a sign. That definitely is a um, such and such close. And it's like not. I can talk. I live on a crescent that terminates. Oh, yeah, that's end. right. You're, you're, you're yeah. on a crescent that isn't. That isn't. Yeah. <laughs> then again, there was uh, one place I lived. It was called called Celtic Crescent. That um, why it why it, it was it had two entrances. They were on the same street. It did this weird boot shape and went for fucking miles. It did not feel like a, an arc sort of crescent. It felt like you know it's like it's called a crescent. Surely we could get to the other end by now. <laughs> Would have been easier to go to the to the to the um, the entrance and just walk the other side. <laughs> so Celtic oxbow might have been more. Yes, right. I think we called it the Celtic vortex for a while. Now that really does sound like a football team. Yes. <laughs> All right. Muse as narrow street, and also muse as source of inspiration it occurred to me that well you've got do not miss a, vi- miss a visit to the muse not from the muse and i'm not sure why but the phrase sounded just a wee bit menacing to me uh, possibly it's just the you know don't go near the haunted castle last chance to not go near the haunted castle don't forget to visit the don't go near the haunted castle gift shop kind of mm. kind of thing so I basically ended up with this this setting and the idea of you've got this very narrow, presumably slightly mystical street, which is where you might go under very specific circumstances because you do not miss your visit. So maybe you only get one of those, if that. You know, something's a little bit menacing or something's a little bit off. I was sort of trying to turn that into an actual game. And I basically have is the idea that you know, you've got 
this street. It's a little bit magical. Probably only find it when you're desperate, when you've got this idea that you can't break. You need that flash of inspiration, whether that's in an artistic sense or a scientific sense or a whatever sense. This is the place that if you're desperate enough and committed enough to whatever it is you're doing or you're wanting to do, you'll eventually find your way there. You'll get your visit to the muse and you'll get to wander along the muse and there will be the various people there and the stores and there's probably going to be incredibly cliched pubs. I'm essentially describing Diagon Alley out of the Harry Potter books to, to all intents and purposes. But you could eat- I was I was about to call you on that. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly what I'm I'm picturing. Crossed with various bits of some of the closes and wines of Edinburgh, which are essentially Diagon Alley from the Harry Potter books, since that's where the fucking things were written. <laughs> oh, well, I understand some of them are Diagon vertically as well. Yes, I've walked up those ones. Uh, yes, some, <laughs> some of them are, uh, are basically staircases between buildings. Mm. So you've got this place, and you'll wander, you can wander along there, and you're presumably you'll find your muse, or perhaps your muse finds you, and you get an idea, and you get your inspiration, and you go off and are able to do this thing that you've got this burning desire to do which is all well and good for a a setting for a book, but doesn't really help you much in the gaming line because it's a bit dull. And so without any better ideas, I thought, okay, let's put a horror spin on it because that usually works and (laughs) came up with something. Okay. Just in your defense, or at least the defense of the idea, it could be a personal quest part of a game for a specific character. It would be a little bit of flake. That wouldn't be a, like a core of a game. Mm. But as you say, the, the ideas doesn't seem to be working, right? Let's let's slab some um, some fins on it and call it a horror story. Pretty much. To sort of set, set the thing up, I had the idea that you've got the muse where people can go to get inspiration. They're, they've got this – they get driven there. They eventually find the place. If they're committed enough, they'll get their inspiration. But maybe it comes at a cost – you, know, you could probably get an entire, I think it was Needful Things, the Stephen King book might have had that. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole idea of, well, you can get this thing you want, but it's going to cost you something is a long and glorious tradition. If you if you need the cliff notes, watch Rick and Morty, because they do one of the best versions. <laughs> Fair enough. So I had the thought of, well, there could be all sorts of costs, but what if part of the cost was the the thing that you've been inspired by gets out just a little bit. It gets a little bit of influence in the world because presumably this, you know, the muse isn't a 100% real place. Maybe the only way that the, the various muse entities in there who might be goddesses, they might be muses. We, in the classic Greek sense, we don't really know. Maybe that's the way they get some influence on the world. And this is where the disclaimer comes in. I don't think anybody listening to this show is under many doubts where I'm coming from on a political spectrum. I know for a fact that there are listeners to this show from wildly different areas of the political spectrum. And so I wanted to put into the disclaimer that the bit that I am, yeah, the sort of the example I'm about to give is not meant in any way, shape or form as some sort of political commentary 
or metaphor or satire or anything like that. It was simply that given the idea I had, this is an absolutely perfect example of what I'm talking about. And it basically concerns, you know, J.K. Rowling's less than complimentary Twitter comments in response to President Donald Trump. And, you know, for this idea, yeah, you basically want to replace Donald Trump with a much, much worse uh, political figure. But sort of imagine the circumstance where you've got somebody, they've got this burning desire to write, but they're blocked on an idea, um, you know, writing this absolutely killer story that they know they've got in them, but they just can't quite crack, would change their life completely. And eventually they find their way to the muse. They get an idea. They write this um, story sitting in a cafe in Edinburgh, overlooking a cemetery, as it turns out, which has at its core this bad guy seeking power, etc., and they become wildly successful. The, the, the book takes off, the, the books, book series takes off, enormous amounts of money. And then they start to notice that this character they've written about is kind of out there in the real world. That whatever has inspired them has used that as a way of reaching out. So in this case, we replace President Trump with something much nastier, probably, I don't know, the master from that season of Doctor Who. If we are continuing the, the um, if we are continuing the not quite metaphor, essentially Voldemort starts running for president. Pretty much. Voldemort runs for president. I think the way you introduce uh, it into a game is that the players become aware that what you've got is this author who is sniping at this political figure because they're the ones who recognize it. Maybe they recognize the face. Maybe it's taken them a while, but they recognize, no, that's the person I talked to at the Muse who apparently is out and is very similar to the character I've been writing about and nobody else can see it. Well, maybe it's a, a, a combination as they had this, this, this character in mind and they met this person who helped, uh, helped inspire them. But currently they're up to he who should not be named several books down the line, which is stuff that's been least fleshed out, mostly written. The reveal comes out and this person's activities and, 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 and actions are matching this, this, this public figure. You know, partially this is our self-defense. They've written this great story. They're, 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 they're working through the, 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 the books, but the character has escaped and is going to gazump them. At very least, as a selfish motivation, the character from the book is spoiling their book. Plus the Voldemort. So. so, like I said, not meant as political commentary. It's simply, as an example, it is too perfect an example of what I'm talking about. Because, you know, J.K. Rowling went from, from memory, unemployed solo mother to billionaire off the back of the Harry Potter books. I don't think what you think you're saying is particularly controversial. I mean, the only mm. statement you made is Donald Trump is not as bad as Voldemort. Eh, I wanted to cover my bases. <laughs> I mean, to be blunt, if I'm going to if I yeah if I'm going to insult somebody over a political thing, I'd like it to be deliberate. Fair enough. Okay. Personal rule in my life. So yes, that's the idea. And I mean, the writer who is writing stuff that is fiction, but isn't is 
a thing that's cropped up before. I rather like the idea of writer who has become aware that what they're writing isn't fiction, but is trying desperately to convince other people of this fact. That would be intriguing. It's not something I've seen before. I've seen something like it, but yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. The idea that I mean, the party are some group of heroic world saving world saving troubleshooters of some sort, but the version that you would get in a modern information age and so forth, and they're looking into the background of this 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 come from behind a dark horse candidate. You know, they don't know. There's clearly something wrong, and they've and they've been tasked with with taking them down, and they discover that one of the reasons their normal their normal practices aren't you know, they're digging into their past and their normal sort of trying to work out what's going on isn't very effective, is that they're fictional for the most part. Mm. And they discover that somebody has written them like that and is currently in the distance just kind of taking trollish Twitter pot shots at them. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I would not, ex- I would, I would find that an intriguing turn of events to say, right, how do we deal with this? This, this is a, somewhat metaphysical entity invested with really unusual and ill-defined abilities powered by something we don't understand at all. How do we tackle this? Do we go directly? Do we do the, oh, um, that's terribly unfortunate, but we're going to have to kill you for the sake of the sake of reality. Do we try to get somebody to write, the author to write a death scene? Will it mm. work? Yes, is, is, is that still part of it? Or do we have to go back into the in-between space of the muse? muse And find some way of pulling them out uh, out of the world, yeah. It's, it's a weird one. I quite like it. The idea of an author involved in Twitter bants with their own creation is a bit hilarious, but not altogether unthinkable in this day and age. So I'm not sure about the, the system. It may not really matter to... An extent, you need something where the the existence of spookiness is going to be okay. I mean, while it would be tremendous fun to drop it into an otherwise utterly mundane game, it's kind of a game wrecker from that point of view. You'd want some mechanic to reflect the fact that you're possibly going into battle with a um, fictional character, or there are some ramifications from that. Just going Call of Cthulhu might be a bit far. Yeah, I'm wondering about something like the sort of the Bureau 13 stalking the night fantastic or that kind of thing where you've got people who are used to the more standard monster and now are having to deal with an extraordinarily non-standard monster. I'm wondering if this is a, this is a case for Whispering Vault. Hmm. That's one that hasn't come up in a while. No, I, I'm damn sure I've never played it. I know you have or at least had a copy. I've got a copy and I've tried to decrypt it, but it is... Basically, the lament configuration of role-playing games, or is that whole? It was one of those two. Um, <laughs> it's a very sort of metaphysical game where the players are agents of space and time, of some sort, that of of a very sort of archetypical, vaguely twisted nature, based on sort of key beliefs and so forth. Looking for, I think they're called aberrations, things that have found their found they've found their way into a particularly screwed up setting and have started to warp space and time around them. And they're either there are various different scales of just sort of like hungry mindless beasts up to super inter- intellect architects who uh, have you know basically have an entire region of our world warped to their to their whims. 
it's, it's a very strange game. And I'm not entirely sure it was successful what I was trying to do. It's very evocative and, and weird in that 90s sort of way. But it's a, a similar sort of scenario. Yeah, not quite fluffy enough. Mm. I'm liking more and more the idea that you drop it into more of a monster hunty game. I mean, thinking about various episodes of the show Supernatural, and I should point out I only saw up, I think, to the start of season nine, so I'm not sure how many there are at some point at this point. I am not sure that they we will ever know. But you, you saw a lot of the you saw a lot of the meta the meta episodes, commentaries the show commenting on the its own show, which were probably the best. I mean season nine had the musical in it. I don't think I saw the musical. Oh, I don't think I ever got to season ten though. I saw the TV, the 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 TV comedy, the TV version. crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, thinking about if you got if you've got a game where people are in the we go to the place, we find the monster eventually, and we beat it up, and they're in that mode, and you want to try to break that up. Mm. This would be a fun one to drop in there because. It maybe isn't something you can beat up, and even if you could, it's got secret service protection. Yeah, that would be inconvenient at best. Yeah, sort of, it's okay, from the look of it, if we just spray it with with holly and garlic, it'll be fine. Yeah, how are we going to do that? Well, we'll just walk up and... Yes? Or maybe it is some sort of psychovore or something that actually changes people's perceptions around it. Hmm. You could just walk up to a fully intending to, to fill it full of lead or, or steaks or holy water or whatever, and then wander away with, with buttons saying, vote for Voldy. Nice. It's like, no, there's, there's no saving throw here. This is, you've just stepped across the threshold into a different universe, effectively. And, yeah, and it's like, okay, so the direct approach isn't going to work. Yes. I'm liking this one. I think it's definitely, actually, I think Supernatural is a very good fit for it. Because, yes. Um, or, I'm not sure for the, the Supernatural games, I'm not sure who, what system that runs, but something that uses the idea that they are hardworking, blue-collar monster fighters, go. And then they run to something which none of their normal practices work. And they're like, what do we do? And they're like, well, we're looking at this, this guy's Twitter feed. And there's someone who clearly, outside of his bubble of influence, knows who he is, but no one else takes them seriously. So let's go talk to them. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, certainly just an interesting campaign, sub-campaign for sort of, like I say, two-fisted monster fighting, brothers, man pain, nope, that's supernatural, sort of setting. Hmm. And a good sort of, ah, yeah, so you vampires, werewolves, ghosts, blah, whatever, workaday stuff for us fictional psychovore politicians from the realm of the imagination okay we'll give it a the old college try now given that i have just discovered that amazon prime has all 10 seasons of the x-files and mm. have, have started watching them it would get even stranger if you've got the okay so this is horrifying psychovore who is actually our boss many times removed Mm. That's going to get awkward. Indeed. Try and get those expense claims signed off. <laughs> At the very least, there's going to be some sort of demotion for relegating the commander-in-chief back to the nether dimension. I mean, I'm sure it's not written down specifically, but there's got to be something that applies. We're not making an impeachment joke now? Let's not. I was trying to think of a good one, and frankly, I've got nothing. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know. You could maybe maybe go with, okay, so we need the summoning circle, we need the salt, and we need 60% of Congress. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is going to be harder than usual. Cool. No, I I find that, that idea intriguing. And anything that summons back the, the fact that I've got a copy of Whispering Vault somewhere on a shelf is, is generally interesting. Woo! Cool. All right, so my idea was... A little bit less trippy, possibly a different sort of non-apolitical, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Basically, I was thinking about the idea of your your standard fantasy setting, the kleptoverse of, we have pretty much all the gods, mystical creatures that you've ever heard of. They're just, you know, they're not evenly distributed. They tend to be in different locations, like, as the, the, the mythology of the globe suggests. The fantasy of the imagined past is not evenly distributed thank you william gibson for that useful um (laughs) phrase we have taken out of context and very 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 vaguely inspired by the oglaf cartoon about the big angry muse kicking the um the uh, dejected artist's ass until they do something i don't believe i know that one Actually, that one is relatively safe for work. Yeah, there's a few of them that aren't 100% safe for work, and they're just, that's a bit weird. Yes, but I think he marks them as being safe for work specifically, rather than the the the, uh, the obverse. Anywho, so you've got adventurers. They're hired by somebody whose um, muse has been stolen. And, you know, and then apparently they're, 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 they're wealthy, they're maybe a noble, they're an artist, and they're famed for their art. And, you know, they've got run to a complete block because their, their inspiration has been taken away from them. And, okay, that's interesting that you can be rewarded handsomely for this. And the party, you know, okay, this, is, this person wants to get their muse back. But in the course of the adventure, they discover that having a muse isn't so much a case of being inspired, is more basically kidnapping and slavery, because it's a creature. They're people, by the very, 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 very broad definitions of a fantasy universe, they have free will. If they inspire someone, great. But they are not someone else's muse, they are their own muse, and they haven't so much been stolen as been helped escape. And the party discover that they are effectively trying to break into the mythological equivalent of an underground railroad or a women's refuge situation. Interesting. A twist on the Sandman story, Calliope? Yes, I believe that's where I got that. It's probably where I got that from. There was definitely a Neil Neil Gaiman thing floating around. I also just finished rereading Scott Pilgrim, which has an aspect of that to a degree as well, because... Gideon is super creepy. Just the idea that it's something that's been written off as being, you know, no, actually, that's a really, really good point about the, the Calliope story. The idea that they've, somebody had gone out and trapped and held captive this person. They're also a mythological entity to some degree. And whatever is going on there is totally non consensual. The party get to make some, well, they get to be at least a little bit ethically challenged about what goes, what's going on, and who they're working for. And expanding that out to finding out more about, is this like a one-off thing, or is there an actual a slave trade based on this? Is there, is this, does this thing go on all the time? It'd be a fantastic way of introducing, either introducing the, the mystical and supernatural and spiritual into a game, or deepening it. Mm. That if you've got people who either think, 
okay, somebody is paying us to get their muse back. Yeah, okay, whatever. This is actually a kidnapping case and the guy's nuts, sort of. Well, yes and no, it's not a kidnapping Mm. case and the guy's not actually nuts in that way. Or it is a kidnapping case and the the guy's still nuts, but. Yeah, just that the person Mm. being kidnapped did the arranging. I like it. That could be a lot of fun because, yeah, you're then potentially you're introducing people to the existence of this, not only this underground railroad of smuggling captured mythological uh, entities, but also into the world of said mythological entities. And it could be an interesting way to, yeah, you're right, you're, you're right. Could I add another dimension to say, we are generic fantasy land, you know, we've got goblins and, and a little bit of magic and so forth, but the mythology is more in the background. I might take it from a generic fantasy setting to something with a pantheon and a, and a structure and so forth that is more reminiscent of, say, ancient Greek or, so, or something like that. And is more relevant and meaningful in the game because I'm not sure that I've ever been in a D&D game or fantasy game of any sort where the religious pantheons actually mattered. The closest is maybe Dragonlance, because I think that had the whole thing of the old gods and the new gods. Hmm. But even then, it didn't really matter in the context of the game. (laughs) It was very much an, oh, cleric battery, hear my prayers. Pretty much, yeah. It was which particular brand of cleric battery you happened to have loaded in your party and to be fair early editions had that that problem where it was like the actually listing stats for deities meant that you know people would look at the 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 level the level chart at one end of the book and the stats of the for the deity in the, in the other end or the in the dmg and go huh yeah <laughs> yeah i reckon we can take them yes it would be a way of introducing that in a, a functioning way. And something that just occurred to me while you were mentioning it was um, it would be entertaining to drop something like that into the Deadlands setting. Mm-hmm. Because an underground railroad in the spaghetti western with meat fantasy wild west would be a very interesting thing. What sort of um, mythological folks would they be trafficking in, is my, is my query. Um, I think it almost wouldn't matter. Okay. I would be tempted for a, a Deadlands game because it is just, it, it is a meatballs-to-the-wall horror kind of idea. I would be tempted to actually go with the classical Greek stuff. So what's being trafficked is the actual muse insert named here because... Mm. You could have a rather nice contrast of dusty, grimy, dirty, muddy, smelly Old West Yes. with classical Greek entity who, regardless of circumstances, always looks a little different. You put, basically put Tipsikri, the muse of dance, into Deadwood. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you put Dionysus into a tavern somewhere, and at mm. least for that night, this god-awful, shitty tavern with, you know, you can tell the difference between the liquor and the outhouse, but only on the second taste kind of thing, is this most fantastic bar ever. And everybody has a really good time and nobody gets shot. Uh, I think Dionysus... Nobody gets shot badly. Dionysus parties were allegedly pretty unhinged, but yes, it would be a different vibe, that's for sure. 
So yeah, no, that's that's interesting, especially inserting it into like a completely inappropriate kind of setting. To a degree, you're the the, the fantasy setting being having the 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 being extended a bit, um, like beyond the workaday fantasy setting, just blowing the doors off something contemporary or um, historical. With these folks are around, they're in the circumstance where people with the resources can kidnap and prison them, but they're still around. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to go really creepy on it, you can go with the whole thing of, oh, no, it's not actually too difficult to capture a one of these creatures if you could just imprison them in iron. Looked at a railway track recently. <laughs> yep, that's, an, that's a metaphor for the technology changing the world and the old ways. Yeah, so if you wanted to go in that direction, you could go with the whole, hey, here's a nice example of everything you've left behind. Mm. But equally, I do like dropping some, as it were, mythological depth into a generic fantasy game Mm. where the gods and the pantheons not only have more relevance than how do we charge up our cleric battery but they're not just this very high hit dice badass who might occasionally smite something and otherwise pays no attention they're involved and potentially vulnerable or maybe it's just that it you start off not getting into that sort of stuff because it is a, is a huge complicating factor. This would be a way of introducing it slowly, mm. basically say, yeah, these things, this stuff is out there. You you don't run to it day-to-day because you don't run to it day-to-day. But it's there. Yes, and having gone from, I said I played a Dragon Quest game for many years, the, the point where you, when you go on a relatively high-level adventure and everybody on the adventure is packed into a different demon, all of whom are just batshit insane and hate each other, yeah, that's a little bit, that needs to be worked towards, not the uh, standard sort of setting. That's not where you start. No. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That would be a lot of fun to play in, particularly if you had no idea it was coming. I suspected my first description of it. It shouldn't be that much fun to start with, because it, it, could, it could lead on to the ugly undercurrent of exploitation of mythical creatures. It's like, oh, yes, yes, we, we, we've... We've heard about that. We'll just go down past the self-processing plants and... And furthermore... Yes. You could go too far, and I think I just did. It's not supposed to be a, hey, ancient mythological things actually exist. Hurrah! It's a, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, uh, people are horrible. Yay. People suck. Oh, no. Yeah, Charles DeLint probably wrote something to do with this sort of idea. Hmm. Seems very much his kind of bailiwick. I have not read anything by Charles Lint, but every cover I have seen of his backs you up. I can put a few recommendations for the shows. Some Place to Be Flying, I think, was pretty close to... Well, was similar to this thing. The idea of mythological critters that are wandering around. I mean, this was a modern-day kind of take hmm. on things, but you know, that notion of modern-day mythological critters still around so no, no no announcements no extraneous guff i have a picture for this one with a miniature caryatid so I'll, I'll get that up i don't actually know what a caryatid is uh lady column like from the acropolis oh nice very appropriate mm, that's what i thought there's not a lot to report from here though i did snap and at almost the last minute back the monarchies of mao kickstarter Oh, wow. Do you get the rest of the dog thing? I get the PDF of Monkeys of Mao when it eventually comes out, and a PDF of Pugmire. Yeah, that makes sense. That was my gaming impulse purchase of the month. Fair enough. Okay, well, I think that's two pretty solid ideas, he says, incredibly modestly. Mm, mm, I noted that. Yes. Practically ooze, oozing with modesty. 
<laughs> oh, shit. I'll put some towels down. That went to weird places. Okay, so on that slightly sticky note, thank you for listening, listener. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed the ideas. We will be back next time with episode 94. How the hell did we get to 94 episodes? Why are people still listening? What is wrong with you? (laughs) It's all your fault, he says, pointing randomly. Yes, basically you're enabling us. We are the victims here. (laughs) And to a greater extent, anybody who's listening to us is also a victim. But that's not what this is about. What this is about is our next episode prompt, which is Taylor, Tinker, Soldier, Barista. That's a thing. I'm going to have to figure out what I can pile up for a photo for that one. Especially since, from memory, you're not a coffee-drinking person. So that's going to complicate things enormously. Eh, not barista coffee so much. But yes, mm. we'll figure something out. It'll be marvellous. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> hey, thanks, everyone. And have a good night. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.